probably point you right to the pile. If you didn't get any, go up there and get you some, sorry. We have to kick off since we're get, going straight into it on live stream right now. And so welcome tonight. Uh, we're continuing tonight through uh, our study of the great doctrines of the Bible. And, and uh, as you saw last week, there is absolutely no way that we could sit down on any one of these topics and spend the time you really need to spend. So we're just kind of giving you as much as I can, as quick as we can. And, and so if you have questions, uh, I know it's not one of those formats where you get to ask a ton of questions during the, uh, during the service, but please save one for afterwards. Once we get off the live stream, I'll try to help answer anything you can, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So uh, good to see you out tonight. Let's pray and ask God to help us tonight as we continue our study through the great doctrines of the Bible. Tonight, looking at the Holy Spirit of God, and, and the fancy name is Pneumatology. And Father, we sure do love you tonight. And we thank you for the privilege it is to open up the Word of God, to, to look at these great doctrines, these great teachings of the Bible, Lord, that help us understand who you are and how you relate to us. And I pray tonight as we continue our study, Lord, that you just uh, reveal yourself to us more than you ever have before. Lord, help us to stay away from doctrinal error, to stay true to your word and and to love you, learn to love you, and grow more in grace and knowledge about you. Bless our service now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just review, and we've been talking about the great doctrines of the Bible. Remember what that word doctrine means. It literally means the teachings uh, is what the word it come, that it comes from means. And when it's applied to the Bible, it means the teachings of the Word of God. So when we're talking about doctrine, that's very important. Today we have a uh, a world that's saying, hey, drop your doctrines and come together. That's saying drop the teachings of the Word of God. We're not going to do that, right? Uh, we're Bible believers here, so we believe the, in the Word of God, and we need to understand what it says and what it means. In the last couple of weeks, we looked at first week, God the Father, and a pastor taught through that, and we learned who made God. No one did, right? And we learned there's only one God, and he manifests himself in three persons, and and we look at that God the Father, God the Son, and that was the two we looked at the last two weeks, and today we're going to look at God the Holy Spirit. And we learned a lot about God the Father. We learned He's a spirit. We learned that He's love, He's light, He's a consuming fire, He's all-knowing, He's uh, the big word, uh, uh, omnipotent, uh, he's, he's all-powerful, omnipotent, and He is everywhere, omnipresent. We learned that He's unchanging and that, that God is a person. He loves, He hates, He grieves, He's jealous, He can be angry, and, and He cares. And while we don't understand everything about God, I thank God that He is knowable, don't you? He's incomprehensible. That was one of the statements we made. But he's knowable, and I'm thankful that his attributes help us learn a little bit about him. And last week we looked at God the Son, Christology, and that's the study of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we learned the two primary things to understand about him. He's 100% God and 100% man. We talked about the deity of Christ and, and uh, then the humanity of Christ. And those two, the union of those two natures, it's called the hypostatic union. And those, those divine, the divine nature and the human nature all into one. And, and we look down through the truths that uh, support all that. Well, tonight we're going to look at God, the Holy Spirit, and, and dig into what the Word says about that. And, and, uh, and again, the, the big fancy theological word is pneumatology, and it comes from the Greek word for spirit, which is, is what we're going to talk about, and that's the doctrinal study of the person and of the work of the Holy Spirit. And Just like the other, ones, other studies, why is this so important for us to understand? Why is it so important? Well, it's important to understand because without it, we'll lead ourselves easily be led to doctrinal error. And uh, sometimes there's, there's, there, there are folks out there that put an improper emphasis 
on experience and on, on the things of the Spirit. We'll see that. Failure to understand the person and the work of the Holy Spirit will, will also result in us being robbed of some of the blessings that God wants us to have. And, and we won't be able to enjoy the victorious life that's available by, by yielding to the Spirit of God instead of to the flesh. And can I tell you, all of life, once you're saved, sums up in that. You walk with the Lord just sums up in that. It's which do you yield to, the Spirit of God or to the flesh? You know, every decision we make all day long is yielding to one of those two. That's a battle, isn't it? I don't know about you. That's a real battle. And am I going to say yes to the flesh and what the flesh wants, or am I going to say yes to what the Spirit wants? And that's a decision point we make all day, every day of, of our lives. And, and so when we yield to the Spirit, that's when we live the victorious life uh, uh, practically here in our life. So who's the Holy Spirit? A lot of things will teach. There, there's some people out there that teach he's not a person. He's not God, but it's just a force or an influence. And, and uh, other movements will overemphasize maybe the Holy Spirit and, and elevate him to a position that scriptures clearly teach he doesn't desire. And tonight we want to look into the Bible and find out who he is and what the roles in our life is. So first thing I want you to see tonight is his deity, his deity. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God, we're talking about God the Spirit. Just like we were talking about Jesus Christ, God the Son, we're talking about God the Spirit now. Uh, the, the God manifesting himself into three persons, and, and in this case, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so to, to understand that he is deity, that he is God, uh, we, we get just simply look at the Bible to give us those truths. The, when we talk about his deity, Peter refers to him. As, as God. And so what's our authority again? It's the Word of God, right? So when we want to look at truths about who God is, let's look into the Word of God. And so, so the first thing I want you to see tonight is Peter refers to the Holy Spirit as God. Acts chapter 5, and I know you won't have time to flip around because we have so much to cover, but let me read to you uh, from that passage. And Ananias is there and he was said to have lied to the Holy Ghost in verse 3. I'll read it in just a moment. And then in verse 5 he tells us, or verse 4 tells us that the Holy Ghost is God. Listen to the verse. It says, But Peter said, Ananias, uh, why, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it's remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, that thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? So the passage is clearly saying, Peter, writing under the inspiration of God, that, that listen, and I said, when you lied to the Holy Ghost, you lied to God. And it's saying the Holy Ghost is God. And so that's the doctrinal truth there. So Peter refers to the Holy Spirit as God. By the way, John also refers to him as God. 1 John 5, 7, the Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now, the, the Father is pretty easy, right? The Word we learned last week was who? was Jesus, right? Uh, and so John 1, 1, the, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, uh, the word was God, and, and it tells us in verse 14, it manifested into the Spirit. And so, so the three that, uh, that are record, the Father, the Word, that's Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one, John says. So the verse tells us that, it's, that the Holy Spirit is one with the Father and with the Son. Matthew, by the way, also called him God. Over in Matthew chapter 28, verse 9, Actually, this was Jesus himself saying it, but Matthew writing it. It says, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Something's interesting there if you slow down a little bit. How many of you have heard that verse all your life, right? But slow down a little bit. It says, In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It didn't say in the names, in the name. 
It's saying all three are God. And so notice name is similar, uh, singular, indicating the Holy Spirit is God. Now, I put the picture in there just for John over here because uh, that, that would help him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but if you look at the, the triangle, I thought that was helpful. I've seen that before and, and scraped it. To try to kind of help explain the idea of the, of the Holy Trinity, something that's completely you know, above our pay grade, if you would. But you know, the Father is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, but all three are God, if you look at the picture. And that's kind of a pretty good visual illustration to help explain uh, the, the doctrines we're teaching here concerning the Holy Spirit. And, and again, He is God and, and so forth. So continue on, we're going to see here's relationship to the Father. That's seen in the names. You know, He's called the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 9. Uh, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that, that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Romans 8, 14, for as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so when they're talking about the Holy Spirit, it says it's clearly it's the Spirit of God. Such so a relationship to His Father, it's telling us. And He's called the Spirit of Jehovah in Judges 3.10. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Him. Lord, all in caps, we learned that first week. Uh, all in caps means Jehovah God, remember that? And so when it's saying uh, the Spirit of the Lord, all in caps, came upon Him, that's what it says in Judges 3.10. It's talking about, hey, this is the spirit of Jehovah. This is the spirit of, of God the Father in, in that sense. And we also see his relationship to the Son. That's seen in his names. He's called the, the spirit of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.9. For I know that uh, this shall turn my salvation through your prayer and supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He's called the Spirit of the Son in, in Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba. Father. He's called the Spirit of the Lord. And in Luke chapter 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel, it tells us, to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set them at liberty that are uh, bruised. And so He's called the Spirit of the Lord. He's also called the Spirit of Christ. Listen to Romans 8 now, 9. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of the his. And so his, his, his names are shown in his relationship, all showing that same truth that he is God. They are all three God. And, and so the Bible clearly lays that out. And remember uh, the last two weeks, there were some attributes that only God has that we've learned about. His omnipotence, he, only God is all powerful. Do you know the devil has some power? But he's not all powerful, right? There's only one that's all powerful, and that's God. Uh, uh, there's only one that's omnipresent, that's everywhere at all times and all things. Only God can do that. The devil can't do that. Uh, and, and only God is omnipotent. And only God knows everything. In fact, God knows everything. He even knows, we don't have time to develop this, but I love a passage over there where one time they were asking God, they were saying, if this happened, what would happen, God? And God says, well, here's what would happen. They'd come and kill him. And they didn't do it. So God even knows what would have happened if we made a different decision. That's an all-knowing God. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, to, to, to think through and wrestle through uh, in your mind. But, uh, but those, the, the proof of the Holy Spirit's deity ties to those same three principles. We know God the Father. We've seen that He's, he's, on, uh, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Well, so is the Holy Spirit. Listen to Psalm 139, verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? 
talking about the, the omnipresence of the, the Holy Spirit of God, just like God the Father was, just like Jesus Christ was. Uh, he's also omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. Listen to Job 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. And um, The Spirit of God, the power of even creation there. And then we know he's all-knowing, his omnipotence. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But God hath revealed them to us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. He's saying He knows everything. So the three main attributes that only God has, the Holy Spirit has as well. Why? Simply because He is God as well. So we're just kind of making that case is all we're doing tonight. Some other characteristics about Him. He's holy. Uh, he's called the spirit of holiness in Romans 1.4. He's, he's wisdom. He's called the spirit of wisdom in Ephesians 1.17. He's truth. In John 4 verse 17, he's called even the spirit of truth, or 14.17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. He shall dwell with you, be with you. We'll read that a little more here in a minute. He's called righteousness. He says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And uh, he's called gracious. He's called the spirit of grace in Hebrews 10 and verse 29. He's called loving. How about Romans 5, 5? I love that. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And he's also called the giver of life. Uh, and we know he's sovereign. So, so many times, over and over and over, the same attributes, the same truths about God, the Father, God, the Son, are attributed also to the Holy Spirit of God and uh, because they all are God. And so, so, and finally, he's eternal. We, saw, we see that in Hebrews 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, y'all know how long eternal is? Forever. Through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so we see his, we, we see his deity, and, and a lot of those verses are very similar to what we've already learned, so I went quicker tonight through those, because here's where I really want to get to tonight. Uh, I don't have to spend, the Bible makes abundantly clear, black and white, Holy Spirit is God, amen? So we don't spend a ton of time there, but how does he work in our lives? Where's the rubber meet the road? What's his duties in our lives? What's his role that he performs of the Godhead? And so let's look at some of those tonight. So turn with me. I'm going to let you look in your Bible for a lot of this tonight. John chapter 14. We'll sit in John chapter 14 and John 16 most of the rest of the night. And we're going to look at uh, some of his duties. How does the Holy Spirit of God work in our life? And uh, uh, we know in his past works, you know, all of the Godhead was involved in creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, Elohim, we've talked about that once before, plural unity, all three were involved in creation. We know most of the creation was ascribed to the Son. That he, by, it was by Jesus that all things were created that were created. But do you know the Holy Spirit had a role in creation? That means he existed before creation, right? And so that means, again, another proof that he's God. Genesis 1-2 says, And the earth was without void, and, or without form, and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so he was active in creation. And we also know this, he is the author of, of, of scriptures. How many of y'all know that? I know they used human penmen, and, and, uh, but the Holy Spirit of God moved those men to write uh, under the inspiration of God. And and so it was the Holy Spirit that we hold in our hands tonight. I, I love when you get to sections like the book of Hebrews. 
and uh, who wrote the Hebrews? And you got all these theological arguments all over the world. Some think it was Paul, some think it was somebody else. And, and you could argue that till you blew in the face. I got the answer. Holy Spirit did. <laughs> he wrote it all, and uh, all of it was inspired by him and, and written by him. Uh, and he is the author of the Bible. Listen to 2 Peter 1.21. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved like wind in a sail by the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. And he, was, he was a part of creation. He was also part of the miracle of the conception of Jesus Christ. Y'all remember that uh, we learned about the virgin birth and talked about the virgin birth last week a little more and why that was so important. But the Holy Spirit was involved in that as well. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It was the Holy Ghost that was the instrument in the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, and then the Holy Spirit was also involved in the resurrection. How about that? Uh, Romans 8.11 sorry, says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwelleth in you. So you think, start thinking about his past works. He was part of creation. He was, he's the author of the Bible. He's, the, he's part of the miracle, the conception of Jesus, and he was a part of the miracle, the resurrection. That was kind of his past works as we look at his duties tonight, looking at his deity first, now his duties. But, but not only his past works, I want you to see, as we get to John chapter 14, where we're going to sit for the most rest of the night, I want you to see that his promised coming, not only his past duties, but his promised coming. Look here at that future promise that Jesus here is speaking uh, unto his disciples, and, and he's telling them that he's going away, but when he goes, that there's one coming. And read with me in verse number 16, John chapter 14, verse 16. The Bible says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comfort, comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So here's Jesus, God the Son, praying to God the Father to send God the Spirit uh, to the comfort his disciples. He says, give you another comfort. Now here's, here's one of the cool things if you look up this word, another. kind of makes it sound like it's a different one, doesn't it? But it com literally comes from a word, alas, which means another of the same kind. In other words, I'm praying... You sin, you sin another of the same kind. You sin, God the Son's asking God the Father to send another of the same kind as them, which is God the Spirit, to comfort the disciples. So we see right there, just in that one verse, the, the truth of the Holy Trinity. It's all over the Bible. You can't get away from it if, you, if you're reading the Bible. And, you know, the, the, Holy, the, the folks didn't even have to worry about if it was going to happen because he said it was going to happen. He promised, I would not leave you comfortless and he said he shall give you uh, uh, this Holy Spirit that's going to come a little later he said how did all this play out well a little later right before Jesus ascended over in Acts chapter 1 he told him to wait for the promise of the Father Acts 1 4 so here Jesus tell him he's praying he says I'm going to there's going to be another comforter come right before he ascends to heaven in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 he says now y'all wait for the promise and then you get to Acts chapter 2 and what a day that is, the day of Pentecost. That's when the Holy Spirit 
came into this world. And, and if you're a dispensationalist as I am, that's, that was the beginning of the church age. That's when the Holy Spirit came to the world and started not to just come on people for, for purposes like he did in the Old Testament, but to indwell believers from that point on. And that future promise became a fulfilled promise at that point on the day of Pentecost. Listen to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all of one accord in one place, and suddenly there was a sound of heaven, uh, from heaven as a rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven, uh, cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So Peter, after this, goes out and he preaches the gospel in Acts chapter 2. And, and, uh, and he preaches the gospel and he tells them, hey, we're, we're not drunk, we're not silly. This is, this is the one that was promised. This is the promise of the Father that Jesus even talked about. He's going to send us a comfort. This is the Holy Ghost that's coming in now to do a different work than he used to do. Now to indwell the believers and, and to abide in the believers. And he preached there. Y'all remember 3,000 people got saved? And then if you read a little further, a day or two later, 5,000 people got saved. Isn't that pretty cool? I'd love to have been there on that day and uh, see all those folks getting saved. And he promised he was coming. He did come there, and we see the fulfillment of that promise. But here's something really cool as we continue on, because he's, he's going to work a little different than he used to in the Old Testament. Because, see, the Holy Spirit was there in the Old Testament, too. And, and, but now this is a change of how he's going to interwork with believers, because now he's not just going to come on somebody for a season. Now he's going to abide in them. Read with me back in verse 16 of our text there. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, another one just like us, he's saying, that he may abide with you forever. That word abide means to stay put. It literally means to remain, to continue. Y'all know what forever means? Y'all need that one to find the <laughs> for eternity. It's literally what it means. And what a wonderful promise here uh, for us in this, the dispensation in which we live in. The Holy Spirit abides with us forever. You remember in the Old Testament, David prayed one time. He said, Lord, take, in Psalm 51, I believe it was, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Everybody remember that kind of prayer if you read that? That can't happen for a believer in the New Testament. Hey, because the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come on, use somebody, and then go off. Now we're, we just entered the brand new, the coming of the Holy Spirit to now indwell believers, and He indwells and abides with us, the Bible tells us, that remains in us forever. He's never taken from a believer. Look at verse 17 of our text there. It says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and again, Jesus is foreshadowing or telling his, of his coming. He said, and he shall be in you. Uh, so he promised that. That word dwelleth, it, it comes from the, the same Greek word, minnow, that the word abide comes from. Literally has the idea, uh, translate the exact same way. He's not just going to be with us, but he's going to be in us. Praise God, he dwells in us. Y'all know when that happens? This is a defining line in theology right here. When does the Holy Spirit indwell the believer? The moment you trust Christ. In fact, we're going to take a moment because I want you to get this. When we're talking about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, this is very, very important. Because again, it's a dividing line. Dividing line. There's some out there that say, hey, you don't get the, you don't get the Holy Spirit until you, there's a second working of grace, they'll call it. Uh, in other words, you can get saved, but later, if you pray and jump around and do enough stuff, whatever, then the Holy Spirit comes on you and you get him in. We get him the day we get saved. Ephesians chapter 1, turn with me there for just a moment. Uh, 
very divining lines. I'll slow down when we get to these to make sure we're all on the same page. But Ephesians chapter 1, hold your spots. We're coming back to John. But Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse number 12 with me. I want you to see clearly from the Bible how this happens and when it happens. Because uh, what's our authority? The Word of God, right? Always is. And so Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 12, the Bible says this, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusts in Christ. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Notice the order here. Here's what happened is you heard the gospel. You heard the truth of the word of God. Somebody proclaimed to you the gospel. Whether it was on a gospel track, whether it's a preacher preaching it. Whether it's your grandmother, your parents telling you the, the truth of the gospel. You said, what's the gospel? The fact that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again. Somebody told you the gospel. And then you believed. The moment you believed on that, that Jesus died in your place for your sins and, and then he was buried and he rose again. You put your trust and confidence in him and him alone. That moment you got saved. Amen? That's Bible teaching. And at that moment, you were indwelt by the Spirit of God. That's what the Bible's telling us here. He says, hey, uh, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So it's not some work, second working of grace. It's the moment you put your trust in Christ. Not only does he dwell you, but he also says there he sealed you. And thank God for Ephesians 4.30. Just a little bit later, it tells us how long. He says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. You're, you're, you're sealed until Jesus returns. Amen. Thank God. He moved in and he moved in to stay. He abides in us. He remains in us. Uh, he dwelleth in us. Same word, same idea. He's in there to stay. So he no longer comes on us and leaves. He comes in us and remains. Major change in, in how the Holy Spirit works here in as we got into that New Testament dispensation of the church. And so we see his duties, his past works, his promised coming. We've seen now his permanent abiding, but I want you to see also his partnership here with believers, his partnership. Look with me back in verse number 16 again, back in John 14, back in our text there. He says this, and I will pray thee the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That word comforter is, comes from the word paraclete. Paraclete. It's one who comes alongside to help or to, to, to be an encourager. He's also called this our advocate over in 1 John 2 1. He says, My little children, these things are writing to you that you sin not. If any man sin, he have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteousness. Same word is used for, for both of those that comforter, that paraclete, the one who comes alongside. And so Jesus knows he's about to depart. And his earthly temper, uh, tenure, we understand, was temporary. He's, he's at the right hand of the Father right now in glory. But he didn't want to leave us comfortless, so he sent the comforter, another one just like he and the Father, the Holy Spirit of God, to abide in us forever. And thank God he's in there to stay. Because he promised he will not leave you comfortless. And the comforter is the paraclete, the Holy Spirit of God living in us. That means it would be impossible to leave us because it would make Jesus a liar. Because uh, he would be leaving us comfortless then. But thank God he promised he wouldn't. He seals us. He lives in us. He abides in us forever. Happens the moment you trust Christ. Not a second working to grace. 
And so we see his partnership with the believer uh, to come alongside of us and to help us. And I don't know about you, how many of you thank for the helping of the Holy Spirit of God? I certainly am. Sometimes in Baptist churches, we, we want to run from that word, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit of God. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost who, who can, we're going to see some more things he does here in a little bit, who corrects me when I'm wrong, chastens me and, and, and reproves me. But, he, but thank God he also comforts me and comes alongside and encourages me and helps me. So we see here his partnership with the believer. But now turn over to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, and we'll learn a little more about him. A little more about him, because I want you to see his person here. We've been harping on that Holy Spirit is God, but he's also, he also manifests himself as a person. Uh, as a, and look at John chapter 16 and verse number 7. Jesus teaching the, the same truth here. He says, John chapter 16, verse se- uh, number 7, he says, Nevertheless, I, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. That's a big, for you, that's, that's a big fancy word. It means it's profitable for you. It's to your advantage, is kind of the idea. It's to your advantage, it's profitable for you that I go away, Jesus said. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so it was to the advantage of the disciples that the, the, the Holy Spirit would come in the form of the helper. And, but notice with me a couple things on the pronouns here. We're in a world that loves pronouns, so let's get to the pronouns in the Bible. Amen. And, uh, and look what he says here. He says in verse number 7, he says, I will send him to, unto you. Notice him. Look at verse number 8. And when he is come, he will reprove the, the world of sin of righteousness and and, and so forth. So the Holy Spirit is referred to as masculine, but he's referred to as a person as well. And so that is so very vital to understand that this is a, a, a he comes as a person. And we see here is the person. Now, as a person, then, there are some things that can happen to us as people. How many of you ever grieved? Anybody ever grieved? <laughs> Let me just encourage you. I know Pastor and Brother John this morning was talking about Bill Pratter that's coming. I, I know him a little bit, not real close personally, but we've been friends from afar for a long time. And, and uh, that book he wrote, I read, I read when it first came out. I, I made sure I ordered that when I first saw that he wrote it to help. And I can't wait to hear him preach the message. I've read his testimony, and I can't wait to hear it. But, but we go through grief, don't we? Uh, we certainly do. Do you know the Holy Spirit, as a person, can be grieved? Because uh, he's a person. That's what all I'm trying to make sure. That literally means to be made sorrowful or sad. That's what the word grieve means. Again, listen to Ephesians 4.30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, so in other words, he can be grieved. He can be made sad or, uh, uh, when, we're, when we're doing things that aren't, aren't like him. And only a person can be made sad, right? He can be lied to. Did y'all know that? Back in Acts chapter 5, I read it earlier, but Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, they had... I won't go into the grave, great histories. I don't have time to expand every verse, but you know what happened there. They had lied. They said they had given everything, and, uh, and they really hadn't, and they were lying un, unto the Holy Spirit, which is God, the Bible tells us. And, and so they, they lied to him. The Bible says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of lies? So as a person, he can be grieved. He can be lied to. And as a person, the Holy Spirit can be resisted too. Uh, isn't that something to think about? An all-powerful God can be resisted. That, that's, that'll blow your brain if you really think too deep about it, right? That's where he comes in, gives us free choice. 
He wants us to follow him. He wants us to love him because we want to. And he will allow us to resist him. In fact, Acts chapter 7, verse 51, uh, there it says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. So he can be resisted. As a person, he can be resisted. As a person, he can also be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 19 says, Quench not the Spirit of God. Quench not the Spirit. And so he can be quenched. And uh, so here's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be obedient to the person of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but when we grieve him, when we lie to him, when we resist him and his leading in his life, we quench him and we're causing the great comforter uh, great, uh, great sorrow and sadness. And too many times we're guilty of that, aren't we? Uh, I know I am as well. And so let's, let's yield to the Holy Spirit. And, and because as a person, we can do all those things to us. And we see his duties, his past works, his promise coming, his permanent abiding, his partnership, his person. And now we're going to really meet where the rubber meets the road here. I want you to see his pointing, his pointing. Look in John chapter 16 with me and look down in verse number 13. And look down verse number 13. The Bible says this. Howbeit, Jesus talking about when he comes, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truths. We'll see some of that with his work here in just a minute. For he shall not speak of himself. I want you to, if you're one that likes to underline in your Bible and things like that, it's a very important phrase to get some doctrinal truths of, out of. For he shall not speak of himself. And, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you all things to come. In verse 14 it says, he shall glorify me. Who's talking here? Jesus is, right? Context. For he shall uh, receive of mine and show it to you. And so, so here's some things of the truth about what the Holy Spirit, what he points to. What, what, what's one of his purposes? So number one, we see this, he guides us into all truth guides us in all truth. And again, verse 13, he tells us, how be it when the spirit of truth has come, Jesus is saying, hey, when he comes, here's what he's going to do. And we already know he did come on Acts chapter 2, and that's how he works now and dwells us as believers the moment we trust him. So he's here, and once you trust Christ, he's in you. Here is his job in you. He'll guide you into all truth. Guide you into all truth. He'll reveal to you and guide you truth. How many of you remember, I hope everybody here on a Sunday night and so forth is saved you can look point back to the day you trusted christ and and received the holy spirit of god he indwelt you and now he's sealing you until the day of redemption i hope you can look back at that time but how many of you remember prior to that you'd open sometimes the word of god maybe and nothing meant anything to you you'd read it i don't understand anything now i'm not saying we can open it up and understand it all perfectly today because i i'm not that smart and and uh, maybe you are but i'm not uh, but i'm telling you what i can open things now and read it and I have the greatest teacher ever, the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, we got all these helps, concordances, and, and, and even some commentaries. I, I don't, most of them just say the same thing everybody else said, and half the time they're wrong. But, but you get a concordance out, you can break down the word, and you can literally understand what, what's the word God actually used, and what does it mean? It really helps you learn your Bible and understand it without man's intervention, and you can really see what, what that original word meant. That'll really help you study. But, but even beyond all that, helps we got. We really don't need any of that. we got the Holy Spirit of God. And we can open it up and we say, God, show me what you want me to get out of this. That should be part of your devotional life, by the way. Uh, is, Lord, 
Not just I'm going to read the Bible because it's my checklist thing that good Christians do, right? In my checklist, I do my devotion this morning. Okay, I read my, I read my passage. Hey, I'm a great Christian. No, it should be Lord, I'm getting ready to spend some time with you. And I'm asking your Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher ever, to show me what I need from your word this morning. And I'll tell you what, that'll change your devotional life because he will. That's his primary job. He points you to all truth. He guides you in all truth. And he wants to reveal that truth to you. And by the way, thank God it's a living word. So uh, we know there's only one interpretation, but praise God, there's many applications. And he can take that same passage. You can read the same passage three days in a row, and he'll give you something new from it that's just for you each time. That's the the word of God. And Holy Spirit does that. He's the one who illuminates, makes it jump off the page. Uh, You ever been reading the Bible and had one of those times where, You've read this verse 50 times, heard it preached 60 times, whatever. Just know the verse. They could say, the preacher could say the first word of the verse. You could quote the whole thing with him. But all of a sudden you read it one time and it pops off the page and you get it. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? That wasn't new. That's not revelation. That was always there. It is illumination. Guess who does that illumination? It's the Holy Spirit of God. Showing you that truth because he's the greatest teacher who reveals all truth unto you. And he guides us into all truth. That's what he, one of his major things that he does. But look on with me at uh, what else he does out of verse 13. This is a powerful, powerful two verses here uh, for us to really learn and keep our doctrine right concerning the Holy Spirit. Who's the greatest teacher? It's the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. But then it goes on to say this, for he shall not speak of himself. He shall not speak of himself. Not only does he guide us into all truth, but he garners no attention to himself. Now this is a major dividing line again. The Holy Spirit of God always points to Jesus. He doesn't magnify himself. So... If, you, if there's some places and, and some, some good friends of mine that, that are in, in those type movements, and I'm not bashing them, I'm just saying there's some, there's some places where they elevate the Holy Spirit above that which Scripture want, that He chose to want to be elevated on. Uh, contrary to some of the movements that emphasize the Holy Spirit of God and outward manifestations and all this thing, the Holy Spirit, the Bible clearly says He's not going to speak of Himself. Uh, he, he's he's, he's going to always speak and point to Jesus. He garners no attention to himself. So if you see something where it's all about the Spirit, all about the Spirit, all about the Spirit, it's all, the Spirit's job, according to Scripture, is just to point you to Jesus. So that'll help you divide some things when you're trying to struggle with is this. You know, there's sometimes we see things, sometimes we feel things, maybe, even emotionally, experience some things. And we sometimes uh, want to make doctrines out of that, but doctrine comes from the Word of God. It's the teachings of the Word of God. And the Word of God says the Holy Spirit of God, I'm trying to be kind here, <laughs> well, all, the emphasis of it will always be not to gather attention to the Spirit, but to always point you and magnify Jesus. Everybody see that clearly in the Word of God? Keep going. Look at verse 14. Not only does he go on or no attention to himself, but again, he glorifies Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not seek glory. He says, he shall glorify me, Jesus said. He, the Holy Spirit, shall glorify me, Jesus. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Uh, there are some that glorify the Holy Spirit even above the word today. Above Jesus and above the word. 
They'll defend any position that they want to defend because they'll say, well, the Holy Spirit showed me this or gave me this. Or, and I don't care what the Word of God says. I know what I experienced. I know what I heard. I know what I felt. Uh, scary place to be. Thank God the Holy Spirit can, hey, emotion's real. Amen. I'm thankful we can feel some things. Uh, but at the same time, He's never going to lead you in a path that's contrary to His Word. Because he guides us into all truth. And he's never going to seek glory for himself. Because the Holy Spirit always points you to glorify Jesus. Y'all see that clearly in the word of God? So very important. We, we, we get there. Don't ever magnify anything you see, feel, or experience above God's word. The psalmist said this, Psalm 138 verse 2. For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. Oh, even, even greater than God the Father, God the Spirit, God the uh, God the uh, son, he said, something even magnified more than that in heaven is the word, the word of God. So don't ever let the Holy Spirit receive glory in, in that sense, because he always points to and glorifies Jesus. And we see here his pointing. He is pointing. Again, dividing line in doctrine. And I know there's, there's brothers and sisters out there or others that would maybe disagree, but we get our doctrine from what? The word of God and what it says from scripture. That's our authority. And by the way, I've been in a place where somebody stood up and said, uh, well, God told me to t share this with everybody. And somebody else stood up and said, well, God told me to share this with everybody, and they weren't the same thing. That's a problem, isn't it? Will God lead this one contrary to this one? That's where you end up. You end up with confusion. God's not the author of confusion. That's why the Word is always our authority. I just stood up and said, well, God said I was, this is when I was pastor in church. Well, God said I was a pastor and he led me this way. <laughs> it was contrary to both of them, but anyway, but that's what the word said. Uh, and we see his pointing. Let's roll on. Uh, what about his purposes? What's his purposes and, and how is he, how's he working our lives? Well, we've looked at one already, but look back in John 14, verse 27. I want you to see, he said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, he shall teach you all things and bring to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So he's a great teacher. He instructs, he teaches, and he even brings back remembrance. How many of you are thankful? Have you been in one of those situations where you're down? Are you discouraged? Or maybe you just need some help. Maybe you're not discouraged, but I need some help and direction. And all of a sudden... Bam! A verse you haven't thought of in years just pops right back in with the truth you need it. Where do you think that came from? Your Google searcher isn't that good <laughs> in your head. It's the Holy Spirit of God. So he's going to give us exactly what we need right when we need it. And he instructs us. He, he teaches us and leads us in all things. And so his purpose is to instruct, to teach. We've seen that. But it goes on a little further right here in our text, John chapter 16. Look with me, verse 8. He goes on because he does a little more than that. It says in verse 8, he said, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So three things that, that he's going to do besides teach us that we learned in John 14. John 16, he says he's going to do some more things. He's going to reprove. And that's a big fancy word. It means he's going to convict. He's going to refute. He's going to expose, if you would. And uh, One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit of God is to expose to a lost man their sin. And to show them their spiritual need of Jesus Christ. It's one of, his, one of his main roles in life. How many of you remember? I hope you got a testimony like this. Where you realized you were a sinner. 
I mean, I know it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I've sinned. No, you realize you were a sinner against a thrice holy God. And that started to sit in here. Not you just understood it here. It started to sit right here. Who put that in there? It wasn't a preacher preaching, I promise you. Now, he might have been preaching the word, which the Holy Spirit then used, and he had convicted your heart. He reproved, he convicted, he put that in your heart and showed you that you, he's talking to you right now. The preacher's preaching truth. You're, you're the one he's talking to. You're the lost one. You're the one that needs to be saved. He, that's the Holy Spirit's job. How do you remember that tugging on your heart before you trusted the Lord? That's, that was him. And he was reproving you and he was convicting you. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit. And he was doing it of three things the Bible tells us clearly here. First of sin. He's, he's the one who convicts sinners of their sin and shows them their need of salvation. And he kind of whispers. And if you would, sometimes you, you, I know some people's testimony. He didn't whisper to me. I'm going to tell you what. He made it real clear that day. If I didn't get saved right then, I've heard people say that. If I didn't get saved right here, right now, today, I was going to go to hell forever. And, and they responded. He works differently with different folks because I think he understands each one of us and what we need. He spoke softly in my heart. You know when he starts speaking in my heart? When I saw my son born. Before that, I was a scientific type guy. I was, uh, you know, went to Virginia Tech. Had a, it was you know, technical and all that stuff. I swallowed a live evolution. All that mess. I swallowed all that mess. And I sat there and watched my son get born and saw the miracle of childbirth. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, yeah, you think that evolved, came from evolution, from a monkey or from slime? <laughs> that was a holy God that created that process. And I started seeking for the Lord. Guess what? You start seeking for him, it ain't going to take long. He's going to reveal himself to you. And thank God it wasn't too long after that before I was saved. And, and, uh, and not long after that when he was call, called me into a service. And, and I'm thankful for both of those things for sure. He shows us our, that we're a sinner, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He shows us that we need, we need Jesus and Jesus alone. For God commendeth his love towards us while we were at sinner, sinners. Christ died for us. And, and he's the one who shows us the, the wonderful truth of John 3.16. You can quote it all day long, but when that truth gets in you, hey, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. When the Holy Spirit shows you, hey, he loved you that much because you were separated from him because of your sin. That, that's a wonderful time to respond to him. So he reproves of sin, but he also reproves of righteousness. Look again at verse 10. Of sin because they believe not on me. That's us before we believe. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and, and you see me no more. Jesus is going to part from the world here and he's saying the Holy Spirit is still going to be that voice that's going to convince men and women to do what's right. We always, we always emphasize it this way. I don't think it really works this way, but it's a good way for humans to visualize it maybe. Y'all, you've always heard, well, I got a devil on this shoulder, and, you know, and whether it's the angel or the Holy Spirit on this shoulder, and, you know, and they're, they're, they're talking to me, and he wants me to go that way, he wants me to go this way, whatever. And let me just ask you this. <laughs> I used to have folks come to me in counseling. I had a different thought here, and I was making sure I felt free to say that. I used to have folks come to me in counseling, and they would come in and they would say, Pastor, would it be all right, what do you think about this? And they had a questionable area in their life. And sometimes it wasn't an area of black and white, like I could just take a verse and say, no, that's wrong or that's right. There's some, some areas like that. It's not. So, you know what I'd always say? Why are you in here talking to me? Do you think the devil cares whether it's right or wrong? There's only two spirits in this world, the devil, right? 
Or is it the Holy Spirit of God who's trying to show you righteousness? You're here because I believe the Holy Spirit's trying to show you righteousness. You have a questionable question about this, so what's the safest thing to do if you got a question about it that was big enough for you to get in a car, to drive to the church, to come to my office and to ask me that question? I think you already have your answer. I didn't have to answer it, right? Because that's one of his jobs. It's what he does. He, he, he reproves the world of sin, but he reproves the world of righteousness. He helps us to live righteously. He exposes what's right spiritually, ethically, morally, otherwise. Uh, I, I can tell you, and he loves to work in your life. He wants to grow you. That's part of growing in grace and knowledge as we become sanctified. And thank God I was positionally sanctified the moment I was saved. But practically, I gotta, as I say yes to the Spirit, know the flesh, I become more like him each and every day. And he wants us to become as much like him as we possibly can in this flesh. That's sanctification. That's that process. And he does that by the Holy Spirit of God, showing us what's wrong, what's right. I remember uh, I, there, was, there was times I didn't care. I, I was talking to somebody recently it told me that people throw things out the window still even as an adult that littered one of them was even a preacher that threw things out the just he throws things out the window still litters i've gotten to the place i'm just going to tell you where i will shoot my piece of trash at a trash can and miss and try to walk away and have to turn around and go pick it up and put it in <laughs> that's a pretty good place to be right holy spirit that's wrong that's wrong Somebody else got to clean up that mess. Go clean up your own mess. <laughs> he reproves of righteousness, of sin, and, and thank God for that. And when you're sensitive to it, and you, 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 I mean, we have a choice to make, right? He shows us, but when we, we choose to go otherwise, it's not a good thing. But when we choose to follow him, isn't that the greatest place to live? And, uh, and then he also does this. The third thing he reproves us of, not just sin of righteousness, but of judgment, of judgment. He says in verse 11, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Uh, he continually reveals the heart of men, the impending judgment and, and that's going to come. And You know, even the lost world believes there's going to be a judgment of some type. Because uh, even the Holy Spirit, I think, impresses on their hearts to that. There's going to be a judgment. They don't understand it all, but, uh, but thank God He shows us we're sinners. Thank God He shows us that when we're doing unrighteous things and how to live righteously. And thank God He, he shows us judgment's coming. And it's ultimately coming for those who don't reprove. Uh, don't follow his convicting and trust Christ. And thank God that that's what he wants more than anything else, to teach us, to show us, to draw us unto Christ, to point us to Christ, to glorify Christ so that we would accept him. Uh, because here's his greatest work. You say, is there a greatest work? I think there is. Because not only does he reprove, lastly, I want you to see this. I think lastly, I don't know where I am in my notes, but I might have eight more pages, I don't know. But he regenerates. He regenerates. I'm very thankful for the regeneration of the Holy Spirit of God. John chapter 3, I love this passage. and I almost preached this this morning, but the Lord led me elsewhere. Just a simple one, you've all heard it, John chapter 3. One of the great musts of the Bible. Jesus talking to Nicodemus there, and, and Jesus answered. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man. He, he just told him, you must be born again. And he said, how can I be born again when, when uh, uh, you know, when I'm, already been born once. He didn't understand. Nicodemus didn't. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Now, there's some, some out there that like to take that text and twist it around and think they're talking about water baptism there. They're not. Here, the, Jesus explains the whole passage itself. The first birth was physical. How many of you remember, what's that saying we say when 
the lady who's pregnant, right before she gets ready to have birth, something happens. And I don't want to gross you out, but there's like this puddle that shows up, right? What do we call that? What broke? The water. First time I was born physically of water. Talking about the, the female, or talking about the womb from the womb of the mother. The second time when I was born again, I was born of the Spirit from above. The Holy Spirit of God who showed me I was lost, pointed me and glorified Jesus that that's the Savior, that's the one you need to trust in because you're a sinner. He, he did all the reproving, he did all the pointing, he did all the convicting, and then the moment I trusted in Christ, he did the sealing and the saving. He, he turned me over and, and regenerated my spirit. And he goes on to say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that he must be born again. How do we get saved? How do we get regenerated? Uh, the Bible tells us, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And one of its greatest works is regeneration. And thankful that, I understand all the Godhead has a part in that, but thank God that the Holy Spirit shows us our need, shows us how it points us to Jesus, helps us understand even the gospel message, uh, that how Jesus paid our sin debt for us and died and was buried and rose again and tells us we need to put our trust in him and then the moment we do, do baptizes us in to the body of Christ. Amen. I'm thankful for the spirit baptism that happens when he indwells us and seals us into the day of redemption. Listen, it isn't by church membership. It isn't by giving money. It isn't by doing more good works and bad. It's the regeneration of the Holy Ghost that happens the moment you put your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Uh, so, so thank God for all of the Holy Spirit's works. He does it all. Done. Uh, what is, we see his, his deity. He is God. And we see his duties and all that he does in our life. So if you're here tonight or if you're listening online, you've never had a time and a place where you got that settled. And the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart right now and saying, listen, you got a problem. By the way, we all had that problem. We're all sinners that come short of the glory of God. And you need to get that settled. Here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's going to tell you Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's going to tell you that if you shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God is raising from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He's going to tell you. Yeah, that's what the Holy Spirit, he's going to take that, those truths of Scripture and he's going to show you that's you. Get it settled right now. That's you, I'm telling you, call upon his name right now. Lord, be merciful me, a sinner. Put your trust in him. My Bible says, thou shalt be saved. And once you get there, you can thank the Holy Spirit for showing you your need. And you can thank him for regenerating when you called upon the name and put your trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for his works in our lives. And thankful for, uh, for the person that he is. Father, we sure do love you tonight. And we thank you for our time to study the word of God together. The word Thank you as we've covered, Lord, just weighty, weighty subjects that each one we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on learning about you, God the Father, learning about the God the Son and Jesus Christ, and learning about now God the Spirit and how you manifest yourself, about your deity and how you and your persons and how you work in our lives. And thankful for the, the Godhead. We know you're just one God, Lord, that manifests yourself in three persons, but we're thankful that each one is essential. Each one is just equally God, and each one has a purpose uh, that, to work in our lives. And we thank you for each one, Lord.
Help us as we continue the study in the weeks to come, Lord, and more, more big topics. And I know we can't dig in as deep as we maybe would love to, but Lord, help us just grab hold of these nuggets, those teachings of the Word of God, so we can, we can stay safe, Lord, from bad doctrine. We can, we can know what we believe, and we can really enjoy the greatness that is you and what you've done in our lives. Lord, bless our friends online tonight, Lord, if there was one somewhere who, who made a decision to trust you tonight, Lord. There's no magic prayer. It's, it's about putting your trust and confidence in Jesus and, and calling that out and confessing that with your mouth, Lord. And if they called upon your name, we sure would love to partner with them and help them and help them now grow in grace and knowledge and be discipled. Sure would, Lord, if they, they could reach out to the church, we sure would love to help them, Lord. We just thank you again for the time to get together and to study the Word of God. Thank you tonight for the Holy Ghost of God and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.